0: Beginner's call. This is your beginner's call. Will all show beginners please make their way to the studio. Tonight's performance of Overstudies is about to begin.
1: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Overstudies. We
0: are back. We're
1: back again. Week three. Can you believe it?
0: It's, it's been a very steep learning curve. Yes. Um, but <laughs> I am still loving it. Are you, are you still enjoying this new medium?
1: I mean, it's all right. (laughs) I still get to talk about stuff, so it's fine, you know. You bring
0: very little to it, to be fair, don't you?
1: Oh, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is uh, definitely a learning curve for both of us, I think.
0: We are the Overstudies.
1: We are. I'm Becky.
0: And my name is Charlie.
1: And we are here to talk about musical theatre.
0: We're just two musical theatre kids who like talking nonsense and have decided to subject the general public to our musical theatre nonsense.
1: Yeah, we're just a couple of nerds really, aren't yeah. we? <laughs> and by the sounds of
0: it, you know, all the feedback coming in, you're all really loving it at home. So, you know, we really do appreciate you taking the time to have a listen, uh, tune in and, and let us know your thoughts as well. And, and like I say, every week, um, please do get in touch. We love your feedback. You can go on social media. We are at Overstudies on Twitter and at Overstudies blog on Instagram.
1: Yes. So if you ever feel like getting in touch, having a chat, Just feel like talking to me, you know, drop a message. That's fine. (laughs) Um, You can also
0: email us if you're a bit more old school. Stage at overstudies.co.uk. That'll get through to us as well.
1: We don't have any uh, carrier pigeon addresses though. So uh, maybe don't send us a letter. No, please don't do that. (laughs) Um, Or
0: you'll probably find us uh, hanging about the other palace at some point. Yeah. Or another.
1: Like uh, probably at least once a month. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now,
0: I mentioned the other palace. It's got absolutely nothing to do with the show that we are featuring today.
1: Or does it?
0: Or does it indeed? We did consider uh, when we were doing today's episode that I was going to start at the end of the episode and work my way back to the beginning. And Becky was going to start at the beginning of the episode and work our way to the end and we'd meet somewhere in the middle. But we figured that would be a bit too complicated for episode number three.
1: Yes, but I mean, that really does give away for those who have not twigged and not read the episode title, the, the vibe of the show this week yes. and what we're going to be talking about.
0: Now, it's one of your favorite shows, if I'm not mistaken.
1: It is really one of, honestly, one of the best shows I've ever seen.
0: And it's one of the shows that's actually still quite new for me.
1: Yeah. And I'm so glad that I convinced you to go and see it. Yes, yeah. it's, I feel like I've changed your life because of this show.
0: Bold statement bold statement I'm well right, though. we will have to wait until the end <laughs> of the episode to find out that's right this week's show that we're going to be talking about is
1: the last five years
0: the last five years which is a really interesting like little show actually Um, Do you want to tell us a bit more about kind of the history of it and and a bit about the plot, Becky?
1: Yes. So The Last Five Years is a show written by Jason Robert Brown, who those familiar with musical theatre will have definitely heard that name before. Best known for his work on Parade, Bridges of Madison County, 13, is a composer, lyricist, playwright definitely one of those triple threats very heavily inspired by uh jonathan larson that kind of energy about his shows wrote this this um musical called the last five years which explores the story of a five-year relationship between two characters and uses kind of contrasting narratives where we follow one character, um, Jamie, from the beginning to the end of the relationship and the other character, Kathy, from the end to the beginning of the relationship, which is a really interesting concept because the characters only technically meet in the middle for one song.
0: Like You pre-briefed me on this and I think that was one of the things that really kind of piqued me into wanting to go and see it. But it did take a little bit of time to kind of get my head around that and go, right, I'm with it. I see what's going on. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's an incredibly difficult concept to kind of pull off and keep the audience engaged. But Jason Robert Brown does it so, so well. Um, and I know in the production that we saw last year as well that we'll, we'll come on to, um, again, it was just kind of beautifully translated onto the stage. And yeah, I had, I had a, a time to be discovered towards the end of the podcast
1: yes and it's not a particularly new show either this has actually been in production since about 2001 wow which is really mad when i think about it
0: we were children
1: i was i was a baby i wasn't a baby but i felt like a baby (laughs) um but yeah 2001 it put on a debut performance in chicago before going Another of
0: your favorite musicals.
1: Yes, another one of my favorite musicals. Um they're all American, which I don't know what that says about me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe that's for another episode.
1: Yeah, my obsession with American <laughs> American musicals that have at some point also been a film, that is my brand. <laughs> that is my brand. But yeah, then the show headed uh off Broadway in 2002. Before it disappeared for um over 10 years and was revived in 2013.
0: Wow. So that's, a that's, big, that's a big a, gap. Yeah, a big, big gap. Easy enough as well to like completely forget about musicals in that kind of stage.
1: Yeah, and it didn't come to the West End till 2016. Wow. Which I don't think it's really, it wasn't even the West End, it was off West End at that stage. Okay. Has done many a West End, off West End performance, uh, but only really did a big West End debut at the garrick theater last year
0: last year yeah 2021 2021 20 years after its initial debut until it got a west that's actually quite that's quite considerable like we know we talk a lot about how some shows have got some really long kind of times from initial concept through to, to opening somewhere um obviously we're talking about hamilton last week for instance but that's a very long time actually so long um and obviously you know yeah it did have uh, did it have a Broadway production? I think? Nope. nope. No Broadway production either. Nope. Um, yeah, that's that's huge. But it was more how it ended up on the West End. It's probably more a matter of circumstance than planning. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Yes. I think it's a very easy show to put on purely because it has two characters. That's all you need is two actors and your musicians. Yeah. Um, And I think that's that gave it the opportunity you know coming out of the covid pandemic and theaters opening back up again and just looking for a piece that you can put on for a short run that doesn't generally get put on that often but will bring in the audiences yeah it was the perfect fit to kind of reopen the garrick um you know to kind of get things kind of going again yeah
0: because i think It was originally planned to open with social distancing and stuff in place as well, wasn't it? Um, And then, you know, with such a a small number of kind of cast and crew, plenty of space backstage for that to keep everybody nice and safe. Um, By the time we saw it, it certainly um, was playing to full audiences. But I think that also goes to show how popular that revival was. You know, there were so many people trying and trying and trying to get tickets right up until the last night. It was sold out pretty much constantly. Um, And I think that says a lot about how some of these smaller shows can have such a kind of almost cult following.
1: Yeah, it definitely has a cult following. And interestingly enough, I think that cult following is what actually led me to discovering the musical in the first place, because the popularity of the show actually led to the musical being turned into a film Um, you know that that cult following got that film production which stars Jeremy Jordan and uh, Anna Kendrick
0: wow big names
1: big names yeah and that is my was my first introduction to the musical as a whole but even then you know two big names in a show still didn't really get the traction going straight away it was only you know five years after
0: well, I was just say so the film premiered at the 2014 Toronto International Film Festival and got only a limited kind of theatrical release. And even then, its reviews were fairly mixed uh, of the film. Um, that's not particularly unusual, though, for kind of some of these cult either adaptations of musicals or films that later get adapted into musicals, for instance.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's um, definitely an interesting one, I think, uh, when it comes to the reception of that film, because, you know, you've got some really powerful names in it but even then i i had to find it you know scouring the internet for a, uh somewhere on a streaming service it wasn't you know a big release or anything yeah. like that which i think reflects in the musical itself
0: yeah <laughs> so let's move on to the musical itself then i guess um and the the story of Kathy and um uh, Jamie Jamie yeah I knew it was going to come to me eventually <laughs> It's been a long day um story of Kathy and Jamie so give us a bit of an introduction who who are they like you know we know they're starting at one end of the story and the other um but why are these two people important
1: so Kathy and Jamie are two young New Yorkers who have met and have fallen in love um very quickly and very madly in love with each other Kathy is a struggling actress, and Jamie is a very, very talented uh, writer who, when these two meet, they both have big ambitions, big dreams about what their futures are going to look like, what success looks like, and just really both fall head over heels in love with each other straight away with the other person kind of representing their ideal person. They are yeah. idealizing um each other in the sense that Kathy thinks that Jamie is this wonderfully talented, magical writer. Um and Jamie sees Kathy as everything he's never really believed he should want. Uh which is quite an interesting approach to a relationship, I think. (laughs) Yeah. There's
0: there's a lot of interesting motifs and themes to explore. And we are going to jump into some of those in in a moment. Um I'm now going to ask you a question, which is a question you asked me. I don't want you to answer it yet, but I also want our listeners at home to just have a little bit of a think as we go through the episode or if you've seen the show already, have a think about what your answer is. In this relationship, um who is the worst person? Is it Jamie or is it Kathy?
1: it is a very important question and um, i have a very strongly held opinion but it's it's not a spoiler in saying that the relationship doesn't end well right. because you know we we start at the end of the relationship but i think it's yeah it's definitely interesting to see who believes who is responsible for things going wrong
0: yeah definitely <laughs> um well we'll give our answers at the end of the episode and we will do our initial answers or my initial answer and probably your initial answer and then a, a year on if we're still in kind of the same place um i think it'd be quite interesting but let us know at home your thoughts there isn't a wrong or a right answer i mean becky would disagree with me
1: uh, there, there is there is a wrong answer
0: there isn't a wrong or a right answer <laughs> and uh, but it's just it's something really interesting to kind of consider and have a think about.
1: So, as Charlie said, she has only seen this show once.
0: Just the once, yeah. Just
1: the once, but it was a great first experience. It was.
0: I've not even seen the film. I still need to search it out and watch it. It's one we were saving for a film night that's just never happened.
1: Yeah, don't worry. I'll I'll definitely uh, get you watching that film because... that is, as as I've mentioned, how I actually got into this show in the first place. Yeah.
0: So you tell us a bit more about this. So I, I have a feeling this might be a bit of a, a wild ride knowing you.
1: Well, yeah. Um, so I guess kind of rewind to about 2015. My friend Annie had gone to London to actually see Wicked. Okay. Interestingly enough, her friend had mentioned this show to her and was like oh yeah you know do you want to go see this this matinee performance and he was like yeah yeah sure i'll go see it you know whatever this sounds like fun um and annie went to see it and fell in love with it and annie another fun fact about her is she's madly in love with anna kendrick interesting so naturally when this film came out starring anna kendrick it was uh you know a very big a big deal yeah and then i also <laughs> was like yeah this sounds like a, a show that i'd you know a musical i'd be interested in i'll I'll give the film a watch and i gave the film a watch and i sobbed i sobbed pretty you much the whole had way through. An emotion <laughs> i had an emotion wow i had many emotions
0: there's a lot um the i person who has no emotions famously. yeah
1: i i was just like this is incredible like the music the concept of it just really i guess it kind of draws on a bit of what i said in our first podcast Mm. about how it's musical theater that makes me that shows how musical theater can be different that really grabs me yeah and this is a perfect example of that because even though i'd not seen the show thinking of the concept of how this would look on a stage you know how how do you hold the audience's attention for a show that only has two characters and only, you know, is like an hour and a half maximum. Yeah. It's just such, it was such an interesting concept to me. And then I just kind of fell in love with the idea of that, but never got a chance to see it.
0: Yeah. I think I, I, the same kind of goes for me, you know, when you started telling me about it and got really excited about it being in London, um, I was like, I know this sounds like the sort of show that potentially is going to be right on my street. You know, something a little bit different, um, a bit more kind of out there in, in what it does. You know, there are other shows that have very small casts. There are other shows that try and fiddle with kind of timelines and stuff. But I think this is one of the kind of original ones, certainly in the modern kind of musical generation era um, and has definitely gone on to inspire kind of other shows as well.
1: Yeah, I do see a lot of parallels between this and other shows. And I think... This was the f- my first experience of kind of like a one-act show, really, that I didn't even realize was a one-act show, I guess, to begin with, because I'd just kind of seen the film. Yeah. Um, but I was so, so desperate to see this. And because it's, you know, a bit of an obscure show, it doesn't get put on that often. So when we, well, when I heard that it was being put on, um, I got very excited And then was like, I don't know a single other person who has even heard of this show, let alone will want to come and see it with me. So I was there booking my tickets, sitting on my own, kind of you know, like I I don't care. I was like I just I just want to see this show. I was so excited, and then we went to West End Live in West End West End West End Live. West End Live, yeah. <laughs> that took that was quite hard to get out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we went to West End Live in September last year. It was
0: yeah. They moved it because of um, the COVID restrictions which meant i could actually go rather than being at glastonbury
1: (laughs) september 2021 i got very excited because as i do with everything related to this show uh that they were going to be performing at west end live
0: it's quite exciting it's quite a big gig as well if you've never been to west end live it's a massive free festival of musical well not just musical theater all kinds of performing arts in the center of london in trafalgar square um for two days um it's normally at the end of june and all of the biggest shows and some of the more obscure shows from the West End and indeed around the country will come along and do little snippets of performances. Um, and we'll definitely be doing an episode, I think, all about West End Live in the future. So do check back for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But yeah, so the last five years were there last year. Um, and you were kind of hyping this up to me all day long.
1: I was, I was nervous because I was like, I love this show so much. That if you hate the snippet of it, I don't know what I'm gonna do.
0: <laughs> it was it was the same as kind of the anticipation of going into Hamilton, which obviously we explored last week, where you were really worried what my reaction was going to be, and you know this was still actually quite early on in our friendship as well, so it could well have been the end of it if I'd hated it.
1: Uh, it would have been. <laughs> I would have been like, you know what? Friendship over. Like, can't do this. Sorry. Um, but yeah. And then the performance at West End Live, I think I must have been the only person in the crowd singing along.
0: You were fully going for it. And <laughs> I was just there like, what is going on here? Um, but yeah, this was a production of the, or, or like a couple of songs from the Garrick production that we've mentioned. Um, who was playing Jamie and Kathy in that production?
1: So we had Ollie Higginson as Jamie and Molly Lynch as Kathy. Both very talented performers. Very, very
0: talented. Stunning characterizations of Jamie and um, yeah. Kathy. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, you were there fully like singing along and I was going, actually, you know what? I can see why this works and it's always very difficult to get a proper idea of how the show kind of is staged at West End Live because it is just effectively like a festival stage um, with kind of minimal props and all the rest of it. Um, but you know, having what the each of these individuals when their song came up fill the stage, like the command they had of the very big stage. Like this is a stage designed to get like full dance troops and stuff on it to give you an idea of the scale. Um, it was it was stunning.
1: Genuinely it was stunning. Yeah, it it was such a great moment to finally hear those songs live as well, that I'd grown to love so much over the years. And also like just really interesting what songs they actually decided to do because I feel like out of context some of the songs don't make any sense whatsoever (laughs) yeah
0: definitely I think I would absolutely agree with that um you know you listen through kind of the soundtrack and there are some songs that pop up and you just thought like oh this is a a really good kind of song but if it comes on shuffle and you're just kind of like
1: "Eh? what's what's this all about then yeah so I think they did uh, a part of that which is one of the more upbeat songs yeah. from Kathy and Moving Too Fast, um, which is Jamie's kind of exciting uh, uptempo number uh, at the beginning of the show. Um, and yeah, it was just two very random songs, uh, but kind of the right choice for the sh- the kind of taster. Yeah,
0: definitely. Of the
1: show. Um, and then the, the show opened. I went to see it. Fell in love with it all over again and was like, no, you need to get tickets to this. Like, I don't care how you need to go to this show.
0: And closing week, we managed to get two tickets on like a Wednesday night. And I raced across from an appointment somewhere outside of London um, and got there literally, you know, as the lights were going down. It was a very stressful uh, for both of us.
1: I have never been more stressed in my life than you getting to that show because I was like, I'm going in without you. I'm not missing it um and because it is just a one act you don't have an interval you can't sneak in during the interval like I don't even know where you'd sneak in at po- any point in the songs because they flow into each yeah, other
0: yeah it's an entirely song through show pretty much so
1: um but yeah it's, it's so I was I was very nervous so I was like if you don't get to see this then I'm gonna be stressed <laughs> yes but I
0: did get to see it yes. and actually I think Even from just walking into the Garrick, beautiful, beautiful theatre. I've been to it quite a few times. Not one of the biggest in London, um, but a good sort of size for something like the last five years, um, situated uh, kind of just the back of Trafalgar Square. Um, And straight from when I walked in, just seeing like a big kind of five in lights on the stage, um, I was like, okay, this is this is nice. And then I spotted my favourite feature of any musical anywhere, which is
1: a revolve.
0: Yes. Yes. And as soon as I saw the revolver, I was just like, Yeah, I'm gonna love this.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean we we both love the revolve, yeah. so like, it was very exciting.
0: <laughs> you told me nothing at all about the show. You were like, No, you just gotta wait wait for it. Um, beyond, you know, what I'd been told kind of about the plot. So actually, yeah, walking in and seeing a revolver, I was like, No, this is this is good. This is this is going to be good.
1: Yes. So the set was basically made up of, as Charlie's mentioned, a giant five in lights kind of stage stairs what's the word for them they have a name the the sta- rises rises that's it I was going to say runners that is absolutely you not spent... what
0: becky did a review <laughs> of the last five years which is on our website so do go and check it out overstudies.co.uk and spent about three days trying to research the name for stairs on a stage and then thought to ask me and I went rises
1: I It took me about three days to figure out how to describe what I was asking you to describe. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the rises. One day I'll remember what the call And
0: then going up to the band at the back?
1: Yeah, band at the back of the stage. And then in the center of the stage, there was the revolve and just the most stunning grand piano. Oh. And that was it. That was mm. the set. And you basically see the set, being built through objects and memories and kind of tokens of the relationship but you never actually it doesn't progress any further than kind of the the state the stagey presentation like it it doesn't it doesn't become a set it is the set if that makes (laughs) any sense whatsoever that makes no
0: sense whatsoever um but what i think becky's trying to say is that the set is very simple but also very clever and complex at the same time um you don't have lots of complicated flies or things in the wings and like lots of things coming in and out on trucks you just have this one grand piano that goes round and round and round and then as the characters come on they'll bring with them um uh, a prop that's important to the song that's being sung or some kind of like symbolism that might react relate to the song they're about to sing or relate to what the other person is singing about which is either before or after the events of this um and they kind of get added to the stage removed from the stage on the revolve around the revolve by the sides and it's very simple in the way it's done and the focus is always on this grand piano with the big five kind of um behind it but actually is very very clever and me as a bit of a like someone who's really into my production and my set design and things like that. I was like, this is really good. And this was kind of even before we get into the actual performance.
1: Yeah, the music really is the the focal point of this show.
0: Absolutely. And I think that was with this production, that was something that worked so nicely is the music was very much given um center stage and left to tell the story kind of with the the vocals. Um I think a complicated set would have ruined it.
1: Yeah definitely and just having that piano as well i think the piano was the third character in the show and really the the central central kind of gravitational force for the characters Um,
0: and you you both kind of saw the both characters kind of like moving around the piano as well and when one was kind of singing the other one might be playing or um they'd be sat kind of right next to each other but Again, because there's only one song where they're actually in the same timeline. Um, Again, like the kind of the overshadowing or the foreshadowing of what's kind of to come. um, I found was really kind of interesting using the piano as kind of that focal point.
1: And it is interesting that you say foreshadowing because this show actually starts with the most heartbreaking of all heartbreaking kind of ending numbers. Yeah. Which is a... It's not even foreshadowing, it's just there. (laughs) Yeah, because we're starting at the end, (laughs) let's not forget. Um, So this show opens with uh, a song called Still Hurting, which is one of my favourite musical theatre songs of all time, I think. It is beautiful. I'd agree with that. And it is heart-wrenchingly, you know, emotional, it's raw. It's basically Kathy telling her, her point of view about the end of the relationship and what she thinks the you know the issues were with the relationship so it's the foreshadowing of what goes wrong is there but you still have so much to learn from both points of view
0: and this comes back to how clever some of the writing is here is that actually whilst you are being kind of told what's coming um you're only getting half the story and it in places isn't as simple as it might seem at first. And you do kind of go through this, like you're, you're going through relating to these characters, but at one stage you're wanting one of them to um, be successful, then the other one to be successful. Then you're thinking, oh, no, actually I can see why this is a ending in heartbreak. But then you think, actually, no, it maybe it isn't, but you know that it is going to end in heartbreak because you've already seen the ending. It's just a very interesting concept to get your head around. But once you do, um, is so brilliantly executed in my opinion
1: yeah because you i think the the interesting timeline is uh kathy's timeline from the end to the beginning because you really see that complete contrast between the you know the kind of absolute heartbreak that she's experiencing but then that just sheer optimism yeah. that she just builds and builds and builds and you get to the end of the show and you're like I want I want you to be happy mm. but you're like but this is in the past this yeah. isn't this isn't you know the 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 good stuff anymore and in contrast you've got Jamie kind of being so so happy which is such a it's like almost gives you whiplash the comparison mm. between still hurting and chick's goddess which is, you know, just a very, very happy song. It's like, wow, hang on a second. I've gone from being really, really sad to being really, really happy. But then Jamie just gets kind of more and more sad as Kathy's getting more and more happy. And it's just so interesting to see kind of those those emotions that are being kind of thrown at you and the way that you end up getting pulled in so many directions as, as a result.
0: Yeah, like it, it really is a roller coaster of a show. And the way that you kind of do feel for those characters does change a lot, like kind of evolves around with the show. Um, but it is also really nice. Like you have to do quite a lot of work as an audience to remember two timelines because it also does refer back to itself. And you kind of have to think, oh, you know, there's this moment where Kathy's done this. And now half an hour later, we're seeing Jamie's version of that event. And you're having to kind of go get your head around it because you're only getting it like i say from one side at a time um but somehow it's managed and and really well as well
1: yeah you would you would think that this would be complicated and it's so complicated that it's not complicated i think yeah, is that's the best way to describe yeah, this show i think i think
0: that's a really good way of putting it actually it's like you know it's once you go trying to explain it will never do it justice even for us who knows what we're talking about vaguely sometimes <laughs> um you know, the easiest thing is if this show is ever on again, just go and see it or watch the film.
1: Yes, definitely. And it will make a lot more sense. Yes.
0: So we've talked about um, kind of the Garrick production and we've gone through the story, but let's get into the music a little bit more because like we said, the music very much carries um, the plot of the last five years along with it and is just very interesting. Like there's quite a lot of different styles in there. um, But With a handful of exceptions, they're all solos.
1: Yes. There is actually kind of really only one song that is properly a duet. Um, And that is where both characters meet in the middle. Um, Where they're starting, their timelines are overlapping and it's actually where they're getting married. Yeah. Um, Which is the weird thing is, you know, that's, that's the moment where this is pure happiness. Where n- this is this is good. This is neutral. Like this is yeah. before we start going like chaotic good, chaotic evil, and all that kind of stuff. Um, there is some more overlap in a couple of the songs. Um, but it seems to be more like just a feature, yeah, rather than an actual duet itself. Um, but yeah, the the next ten minutes is really where. the the happiness is I think (laughs) yeah but it's actually
0: and this comes back to some of Jason Robert Brown's in my opinion kind of really good songwriting um it is a happy song but even things like it's kind of key and all the rest of it are not that happy
1: yeah it's it it's this this is where I think the most foreshadowing is yes because it's like these two characters are you know getting married talking about how they want to spend the rest of their lives together but by this point you already know that it's it's absolute chaos and it's just not worked yeah so it's all of it is just twinged with this sadness yes which i think really just comes across in the way that the music's put together
0: absolutely you know it, it is in that kind of minor key with a few sort of i don't know enough about music to use the correct words here and there but you know, it's got that kind of like sharp slightly sharp, um, kind of I don't mean sharp in terms of like the musical sense, I just mean sharp as in like when you're listening to it. Um kind of like twangs, I suppose. Yeah. And it's kinda of like, oh, this is yeah, this this makes you feel a bit uncomfortable, um, kind of throughout. But yeah, it's it's a great song and and definitely people should go and have a bit of a listen. Yes. I mean, and- just listen to the whole soundtrack to be fair.
1: It is definitely one that is quite nice to just sit and listen to the whole thing in one sitting because that's, I mean, that's how it was written. That's, that was the, yeah. the point of it, Yeah. yeah. but it's just nice to digest it all as one piece. There are very few songs that when they come on shuffle, I will listen to independently. Yeah. Um and even then I'm like, I feel like I'm missing something because I've not had the rest of the story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um if you did have to pick one song though to like put down as your favourite, what might it be?
1: Oh, this is a hard question. Because I've got a different favorite for each each character. Okay.
0: You can you can have two favourites. Okay.
1: So my favorite song from Kathy is um Goodbye until tomorrow, which is technically Kathy and Jamie, but her part yeah in particular yeah, yeah, yeah. because that is just a perfect example of you know just pure joy and pure love and excitement for the future absolutely and the harmonies in it are just beautiful i love every i say every version i've heard i've heard two versions um <laughs> they they both sound so so good
0: three versions.
1: Three versions.
0: Well, the two that are on the soundtracks, ah, and then the yes, live version. Of
1: course, of course. I have heard three versions. Um, yeah, that technically means I've heard four versions of Still Hurting, because Ariana Grande did a fantastic cover of that song, which, although it's not my favourite, it's definitely in the top the top from the uh, soundtrack. But Fair enough. definitely recommend going to look that up uh, if you can. Um my favourite Jamie song interestingly um is is it doesn't paint him in a good light at all but I think if I didn't believe in you is just a very clever piece of writing where I I really I hate Jamie by this point I do not like this man one little bit But for some reason, I'm still rooting for him. Like, I still want him to succeed. I just want him to leave the relationship. Yeah. But I also think it's just a great example of kind of the frustration that he's going through and the fact that he's quite torn because he wants success. That's all he's ever wanted. But he's kind of projecting that fear of failure then onto Kathy. But I think it's just really clever in the way that it's you kind of, he's still the villain, but you still kind of want him to get get like his own success.
0: I think that's part of it as well, though, is because you, you do get a really kind of intimate experience with these characters and you do get to know them quite well, even though we're in this kind of weird timeline. And without getting too much into kind of what our, our question earlier on was about who's at fault, um, there's a lot of kind of circumstances that have led to things happening as they are um, and I think because of that you know you do want to root for these two as individuals even if not necessarily as a couple Um, but individually you kind of do want to go actually you've got some stuff to work out who hasn't Um, but I do want you to succeed.
1: Yeah it's just wouldn't it, the song makes you feel a bit uncomfortable and I think it's the first point in the show we actually think oh I I don't know how I feel about what's going on here yeah like it's I up until that point I'm quite like sad but Mm. not uncomfortable and then I'm like oh no I don't like where this is going now (laughs) and it's the first turning point I think
0: fair enough fair enough
1: what about you? What are your favourite songs?
0: Um, so I would also go with Goodbye Until Tomorrow. I just think it's a beautiful piece of music and um, some excellent writing. And again, all three versions I've heard of it are beautiful. Um, for m- many of the same reasons as well. You've, you've got that hope. Um, but also, again, the it's not even overshadowing because you've just seen what's happened or what's going to happen, I should say. And it's a very kind of interesting song that you, can again, kind of see some of that if you listen to it on its own, you can see some of what you've already seen happen mentioned in the song in a kind of a roundabout way, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, But it is still then that like quite happy and positive vibe. And I just, I think it's a really lovely bit of music and it does it makes me cry a little bit sometimes as well. But yeah, because um, you want Kathy to be, to stay this happy and you know, you want her to, to get everything that she wants in life, as we were just saying. Um, And then there's a bit of like a a more of a a curveball, I guess, for my um, favourite one from Jamie. And it's not necessarily the best song in the show. And it's very different to kind of some of the other ones in there. But just for me, I really enjoyed it. And I think coming with some of the staging that we saw in the Garrick production as well was just done really interestingly. Um, And it's the Shmuel song.
1: I was going to say that this song, I don't The first time I'd kind of heard it and saw it in the film, I was like, oh, this is kind of a bit of a skip. The Garrick production that I was in, Stitches, Mm. I was laughing so much. It's just so brilliantly staged.
0: It's very much the show's like big comedic number, but it's also got a big kind of homely vibe to it. And, um, But again, you know, links back into these um, imagery around kind of what's going to be happening. And the way it was done at the Garrett production, just chef's kiss, chef's kiss.
1: It was just so funny. Like the the song is essentially a story that Jamie has written as a Christmas present for Kathy. And Kathy at this point is a bit fed up. You know, she's not getting any auditions. She's, you know, kind of struggling to get her career off the ground. And Jamie writes this loving story about, someone who has been working and working and working, but never achieved their dreams, but then gets the opportunity to kind of turn back the clock and make their kind of dream dress yeah. by this tailor. Um, And it's just a really kind of nice, it's just nice, I think, like a kind gesture. Yeah,
0: it's kind of one of those moments where you go, even though you know already it's not going to, happen like we've just come out of a part of that which i think is one of the saddest songs um in the show and we can go into such like again kind of whiplash in in what you're feeling but you still kind of go oh maybe this will work out even though you know it it doesn't but you think actually this is a really nice kind of thing and is maybe jamie going to take some of this on board in his own personality
1: yeah and i think yeah, you're right. The contrast between a part of that where Kathy is trying to convince herself that she is still part of Jamie's world, whereas the Schmool song, Jamie is like, you are my world. Like, you are my kind of everything. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, use my brilliant mind to craft this world where you are the main character. And just in the song before, Kathy's there going, I... I'm sometimes there, I'm sometimes not. I'm just kind of an afterthought in this man's mm. overly successful life and it's just so kind of interesting to see those that pairing of those particular songs. Yeah. Because each song in the show essentially comes as a pair. Yeah. Because we have, you know, the the happy version and then the sad version. And it's yeah, it's just I think it's a perfect example of that contrast.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think that's one of the reasons why, for me, um as well, the small song really does stick out as one of the highlights of the show because it it is just very unexpected, and it, like I say, in the Garrick production in particular, um just the staging and the way it was done um, was was fantastic.
1: Yeah, genuinely beautiful.
0: Um, so that is um getting well. We're getting to the end. Yes. Um.
1: I I just I could talk about the show for hours
0: It's another one that if we let Becky do like the late night overstudies podcast it will be many days long um, so we will not be doing that at this moment in time
1: I do have a few uh, fun facts for you Go
0: on then let's let's uh, get some fun facts so let's give everybody like a few more minutes to mull over our uh, question and um, whilst they can do that let's have a few fun facts
1: So did you know that um, Samantha barks, Box- was in the Off West End production of um, the last five years. I did not. And do you know who else was also in that? No. The future Fiero, Jonathan Bailey. Ooh. And for those who are eagle-eyed on Twitter, every time this man trends on Twitter, the audition video of him singing If I Don't Believe in You um, does the rounds and... I wish I'd seen this man play Jamie because I think I would have a very different answer <laughs> to <laughs> the question that's coming up at the end of this podcast. Um, but I just think that is a pairing that I would have loved to have seen. Yeah. Very interesting could potentially be very interesting takes on those characters.
0: Yeah, I'd be really interesting to kind of see Samantha Bach's um take on Kathy. She's known for giving different kind of twists to characters than a lot of people kind of do when when confronted these roles um seen her in a few different things uh including Les as where I was not hugely impressed um but also then in Frozen as Elsa and she is Elsa just fantastic
1: I think she'd be a very good Cathy. yeah I think she has that soft approachability about her that Better. You you just kind of you you warm to her a...
0: yeah, but also can be quite hard and cold when when needs to be yeah. Um, got any more interesting fun facts?
1: Well, that that production was actually directed by Jason Robert Brown himself. Oh wow! So again, really wish I'd have known about this show enough to have been able to see it at that point. Um, yeah, that's that's fun fact number one. Um, the second fact is. Uh, a bit of an uh, con- this musical was a bit controversial when it came out. Okay, um, because uh, it was rumoured to be inspired on uh, Jason Roberts Brown, Jason Robert Brown's own marriage. Oh, so there was uh, quite a few changes in the show.
0: Interesting. (laughs) Maybe explains why it was in production for so long.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, Some, uh, some songs had to be changed to remove references that were slightly too on the nose. (laughs) Um, But also, you know, you write what you know. So, you know, people, again, comparison to jonathan larson wrote what he knew
0: absolutely um, and you and know that's,
1: what that's where you get the best stories sometimes
0: watch this space for overstudies the musical which will be a two character piece um uh, where me and becky just bicker but in song form yeah who would play you
1: in a musical ooh yeah. <sighs> well i mean if we were going for likeness it'd have to be me tether wouldn't it because it would. she's practically my twin <laughs> yeah. um if we were going for people who i would like to just represent me and i would feel honored to be represented by christina bennington why not
0: yeah <laughs> i'd yeah. take it <laughs> who'd play me uh
1: i don't know actually oh. i'm trying to think i'm trying to think who who could embody you perfectly <laughs> <laughs> it's a challenge you'd probably have to play the role yourself
0: <laughs> true there is only one me
1: i don't think you would let anyone else take on that role
0: i'd like to see kaylee night give it a go
1: Oh yeah. That she she's got the banter. Yeah. I reckon she she'd got she, the
0: banter, but also the ferocity.
1: <laughs> she'd also probably be up for it, let's yeah. be honest. She'd be like, yeah, why not? <laughs>
0: um one one day we will uh, workshop this musical and um, watch this space for, uh... Who knows what the plot's gonna be? <laughs> um anyway, to get back on the topic of the last five years. Um have you got any more interesting facts was that was that it that,
1: that was by fun facts um okay. of of the uh episode
0: so right back at the start we did actually mention as well that there was a link between the last five years and the other palace
1: yes it did a brief run there
0: ah.
1: fun fact of the day <laughs>
0: <When> <laughs> that, was, that this? was
1: literally my my tenuous link between the Fair two <laughs> enough. When, when
0: was this very brief run
1: um in 2016
0: okay so, yeah. so it was end, that run. that run. <laughs>
1: Um, and would have been
0: really interesting to have seen on that run, actually, because the Other Palace famously does not have a revolve.
1: I don't think a revolve is a key component of the show. I've however, seen it now. <laughs> however, if anyone dares put it on without a revolve. Um, you will have a strong answer to. I, I will be writing a strongly worded letter <laughs> until a revolve is added in. <laughs> and i am not joking (laughs)
0: she's really not um and uh, i think at some point we will be doing an episode all about the revolve and and why we think it is so uh so brilliant um right that really is the end now of having a chat about the last five years which means it's time to once again ask the question
1: yes who was at fault jamie or kathy
0: so i said after when I was first asked this question and came out of it, Kathy.
1: And I said, incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) There is only one answer and it is Jamie is to blame. However, these two people should never have been in a relationship in the first place. (laughs) This is it.
0: Like I wanted to say both and I kind of felt it was a bit of a trick question, which is why I went for Kathy. But actually my honest answer is they're both at fault. They are both terrible people.
1: Yes, they... As I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they I have projected their ideal person onto each other and are then disappointed when the other person doesn't meet their high standards. Yeah. And we have Kathy who resents Jamie for his success. We have Jamie who resents Kathy for not being overjoyed that he's succeeding while she's kind of not achieving her goals. They just—they were just incredibly mismatched.
0: Yeah, and I think it's it, 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 this is one of the other kind of interesting pieces uh, bits about this show, and I touched on it briefly earlier. This is real life, you know. To an extent, there are people who can meet up and fall madly in love very, very quickly, but it doesn't mean that it's always necessarily going to work out for the best. And some people just aren't compatible in that way. And it is an incredibly sad show in parts. Um, and you know, I was crying. I mean, i cry at anything to be fair, but um maybe that's another podcast for the future, things Charlie hasn't cried at.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that that would be interesting.
0: Um, but yeah, you know, it is it is a very, very interesting show from that kind of perspective. And yeah, you're absolutely right. These are two people who should never have been a couple. And it is actually quite sad that it doesn't work out because on their own, they're not bad people they're just in a bad situation and things could have worked out differently, even if they'd just been friends rather than, um, lovers. I guess. Yeah.
1: A hundred percent. You've hit the nail on the head there.
0: Excellent. That's what I go for. <laughs> um, well, that is the end of another Overstudied podcast.
1: Yes, I'll let you pick the show next week because we've had two of my faves. So I feel like it's your turn.
0: Fair enough. Um, Do let us know your thoughts on the last five years. Let us know your answer to the question as well. Um, We are very much interested in hearing those. We'll be back uh, with another podcast very, very soon wherever you get your podcasts. And like I say, if you do want to get in touch, uh, you can head on to the socials, which Becky looks after.
1: Yes, I do. So you can find us on Twitter at Overstudies or Instagram at Overstudies blog send us a message, we'd love a chat.
0: We really would. And you can also email us as well, stage at overstudies.co.uk and also head over to our website, overstudies.co.uk. Just search or click reviews and you'll find a review of the last five years there that Becky wrote um, about the Garrick Productions. You can find out all the more, uh, all the more, uh, all loads more um, kind of thoughts uh, and uh, some lovely images as well. Um, Some of the production images uh, from that production um, too yes wonderful well that's it we've reached the end
1: yes we have
0: and uh that means that it's i can only do one thing and that's to say it's goodbye from me
1: and goodbye from me
0: we'll see you next time we are the overstudies bye Bye.